Welcome to TVT with Grace and Emma, a podcast on the millennial generation and how we came to be. On this week's episode, we titillate you with the history of American cheese. We reveal who we've decided is the newest millennial airline. And we have TVTs that are straight out of the Delia's catalog you had as a kid. One last note before we start, apologies. I spent the majority of our recording clicking the case of my computer, so you may hear the clicking noise too. That's me. I'm sorry. Enjoy the show! Hey! Hey, Emma. (laughs) Grace! Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday! It's been so long since we actually sat down and recorded together. I know. Your, the gift of your voice in person is <laughs> as, a real treasure. As opposed to, like, the depths of the end of a WeWork hallway. Yeah. <laughs> um, how's it going? It's going great. Good. Yeah. Um, we we are currently recording from a totally new location. Hey. We did not get a studio upgrade. Well. I mean, in some ways. Sure. We have light in this room. <laughs> and not my wardrobe. But now we have mine because we're in my bedroom, not just any bedroom, but my millennial grown-up bedroom that exists in my parents' house because I'm living my true millennial life and living with my parents. Yeah, we're in Berkeley, people. Hey. How's that? How's that been going? Um, it's good. They can also hear everything I say right now because my house is so small. So any background noises that you hear are them like shuffling around in the kitchen, though they've been they've been forewarned. I literally think that the mic can probably pick up the creak of the chair from the kitchen. But it's been good. They did wake me up at eight AM this morning with the rumblings of coffee making and Oh, nice. Oh, oh, sorry. In a yeah, bad way. Not... <laughs> I was, like, really gunning for that extra hour. Sure. But it's been good. I guess I was thinking, like, ah, oh, waking up to some fresh brewed coffee. That's how they would frame it. Sure. <laughs> I was not, I was not into it. I was not being sold on that. That's really fair. How are you doing? You've had some big stuff happen at work. You took a biz trip. I did. Baby's first biz trip. Hey, how was it? It went great. Um... Where'd you go? I went to the East Coast. Cool. Yeah. And I, um, I will say I had my first real experience of, of spending that six hours working. So. On the plane. Yeah. Yeah. Who knew that Alaska Airlines had such good Wi-Fi? Yeah. Shout out. I think that Alaskan is going to be the millennial airline. (gasps) I think they're trying to do that. Yeah. And I think they're succeeding. Yeah. Why? Well, for one, I just know a lot of folks our age who have, like, Alaska um, uh, credit cards. Yeah. Like, you know, frequent flyer miles with them. They had um, bought, I you know, they partnered with Virgin Airlines now. And they actually, like, the plane we were on was a Virgin plane. Mm-hmm. So it had those, like, disco lights mm-hmm. that made you just feel like you're walking on a club. In the club. Into a club. A Richard Branson club in the sky. Yeah. And I also think of them as gunning for millennials because here in the Bay Area, they're a big sponsor of the bike share program. Mm. So my friend Ellie, shout out to Ellie, 
She was telling me that when you use the bike share, you get points toward Alaska Airlines. Wow. Yeah. That's clever. And their branding, I feel like, is very millennial oriented. Mm -hmm. It's like a lot of young people who mm -hmm. like have kind of millennial style yeah, short pants. Yeah, you know what? What? When I went with Tony on an Alaskan flight recently, or when I went, to, yeah, I went to the East Coast, everyone, all of the flight attendants looked so cool. Yeah. Like, you want to be friends with them. Yeah, like, clear glasses. Yeah. Like, like very, like, they weren't wearing uniforms. They were, like, wearing an Alaskan t-shirt that was, like, very cool. Yeah. Like, when the plane lands, you're like, so what, what's the Where next stop? <laughs> Where's the hotel bar? Can I buy you a Manhattan? Or, uh, do you like some bullet to go with that? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so we've... We maybe have a working theory on the millennial airline. Yeah. Um, we need also an update on your Instagram ads. Yeah. Since last episode, all of my Instagram ads have been for Glossier. Yeah. And at first it was like, I, I, it's amazing with those Instagram ads. Like I didn't even realize how many of the ads were popping up but I you know you just sort of slide past them but then it was like wait I've seen this same Glossier ad for the last week and it was entirely because of us talking about it mm. yeah did you also post about them on your on the Instagram I don't think so Ugh, it's so creepy yeah it's fucking messed up yeah I just think my phone heard it Emily Weiss get out of my phone yeah seriously well and I deleted Facebook. Oh, good for you. Yeah. I was actually thinking of doing that. And then every time... Oh, my God. Has this been happening to anyone else? Readers. I mean, listeners. <laughs> Readers and people. listeners. Yeah, uh, get a Please write in. Um, has Facebook been texting you? Um, well, I never gave them my phone number. Okay. F this shit. I'm getting daily text messages. You? They text me stupid-ass updates. Meredith blah 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 posted this it's so-and-so's birthday help them like every day starting two weeks ago i started getting this can shit. you unsubscribe some sound how i like... just haven't done the work to do it but yeah. like honestly i feel so violated yeah like get out of my fucking text messages right. that's like i feel like text messages are so personal and i like hate like i get so many stupid telemarketing stupid recording calls yeah. so i like have stopped kind of picking up calls for numbers I don't recognize. Obviously, yeah. email spam is a huge issue, but, like, yeah. text messages were, like, still sacred. Like, yeah. they were untouched territory, except for ResistBot, because I did give the ResistBot. Do you know the ResistBot? Mm -hmm. I gave them my number, so every once in a while. And Planned Parenthood texts me, but, like, that's fine. Right. Like, Facebook, get out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so over it. Yeah, that's really fucked up. And that's a part of why I gave it up, because I was just thinking, like, this feels too... Like, I'm not actually putting a lot out into the world, and this isn't making me happy, and, like, this... this The, like, levels of violation just got to be too much for me. Yeah. I deleted it earlier this year when we started school. Yeah, I remember that. And it was such a hassle. <laughs> like, oh, people yeah. would... Like, people... I would literally have to tell people, like... Uh, you're gonna have to, like, email or text me the info for that event, because I'm not on Facebook. Yeah. And that was annoying. But I think maybe because I'm not in school mm. anymore. Yeah, less of those events are, are like, being yeah. distributed in that venue. Yeah. Maybe. 
It's all about Eventbrite now, girl. I know. If you love me some Eventbrite. Hopefully by the time we record the next episode, I'll be Facebookless. Yeah. Although it's always there. Yeah. Uh, We're never truly safe. Sorry. It's okay. Congrats to you. I will say the one thing I'm really grateful for is that Walgreens has allowed me to opt into text reminders instead of phone calls about prescriptions. Nice. And that was a that was a joy. Mm. Last night, Ugh. Emma and I had a long night. We had such a good night, though. We had a great night. It was like, I mean, we haven't seen each other for like a month, yeah. including for the recording of the pod. Right. And we got to spend some great time with our grad school friends. First time in a long time. Yeah, it was wonderful. And one of the things that came up was that um, one of our grad school friends uh, had we were watching Hero by uh, Enrique Iglesias, obviously, the music video, and who should hey. pop up? J-L-H. Thank you, because I was going to say Sarah Michelle Gale. Oh, my God. <laughs> At points, Grace kept turning to me and being like, is this the one married to Brendan Bruce Jr.? <laughs> <laughs> like, no. We've talked about all these people multiple times on this pod. I know, but we also talked about how the like women with the three names all get yeah. mixed up in our heads. So, no, Jennifer Love Hewitt's in that music video. Yep. And um, we found out that our friend Maggie actually, like, during a class assignment to write to a famous person that you admire, she chose Jennifer Love Hewitt. It's such an amazing choice. Very supportive of Maggie in middle school. I think she was even younger, like fourth grade or something. That's gorgeous. So good. Which made us go down this other whole conversation around... The era of, like, writing fan mail yes. to celebrities. Yes. So I, um, I wrote, <laughs> I, your mom I, got you this book. Yeah, my mom got me this book that had the addresses of celebrities in them. Which was either highly illegal or, like, the biggest scam known, yeah. to, known to mankind. Right, right, right. And it wasn't, like, where they lived. It was just clearly the mailing address of where all of their fan mail got forwarded. I feel like between that and, like, Star Tours, it was, like, no privacy. No privacy. I mean, you can imagine now, obviously, by comparison, there's more privacy, but wow. I mean, now it's also digital, right? Yeah. So you can, like, send Katy Perry an Instagram message. Literally get in her DM. Yeah. (laughs) Right now. Yeah. So who did you write? Uh, Sean Connery, obviously, was... I, I, like, truly drafted many letters to Sean... And looking back, I'm not even sure I sent any, but I, like, treasured this whole book full of addresses just for his and, like, would draft these letters. But I was telling Emma, like, it was hard for me to figure out how to effectively communicate how much he meant to me at that time. Which is, like, unsurprising because you were, like, a 10-year-old trying to, like, communicate with a 65 year old right Scottish man and I remember like this is crazy but as a kid my mom was like you better write him now because he's like old and you don't know how much longer he's gonna live (laughs) jokes on you Corey like 20 more years yeah no I think I mean I think at that time he was in his 70s at least he's still alive yeah he's like in his 90s no. Yeah. I mean, I think he's pretty, he's like, um. I'm Googling it. He's not in good health, from what I understand. I also want to add the caveat. How old is oh, he's 88. 88. There you go. So. Aww. Yeah. I mean, when I was 10, he was. 
<laughs> I don't know. Seventy. He was seventy. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah, I will say though. Hoping he went for like the grandchild, grand grandpa tone. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't even know. He definitely didn't write me back. Um, if I did send him a letter at all, yeah, the, but... the signed pictures I had on my mantelpiece were just sort of. But when, when you were writing him, were you thinking of him as, like, a James Bond guy, or were you thinking of him as a 70-year-old man? Oh, my my passion um, <laughs> extended far beyond the, the Bond series. Um, I would say other favorites included Entrapment. So, like, I, I definitely don't think it was, like, a romantic thing. It was just sort of, like, you are my, like, I want to act, and... Your films mean so much. I yeah. love action movies yeah. because of you. Yeah, it definitely wasn't like a romantic I see. outreach. It was just full of respect. And I will say Sean Connery is like a known misogynist, and I imagine that it would be a complicated back and forth if he was <laughs> to ever write me back. Um, but at the time, his work, uh, his work was very important to me. Also, Highlander. If you haven't seen Highlander, highly recommend I'm going on for too long, which is all to say, though, it is kind of wild the way that, like, writing letters, or, like, fan clubs. Do you ever do fan clubs? No, but I, no. But I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, I was, I was then remembering, like, when you bought a CD inside the front packet, what was that? The 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 cover slip? Yeah, yeah. There was an address for the fan club. Yeah. And you could just write to this address. Yeah. You got so much out of those CDs. Would they? Yeah. I mean, obviously you could finally sing along. And also, like, posters sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think Britney Spears' CD came with a... I think it was actually a poster. Yeah. I don't know, actually, but I definitely hung the the CD insertion. Maybe one more time, right? I was more of a fan of Oops, I Did It Again. Got it. Yeah. What were you going to say? I'm now trying to remember if that's the same album. Maybe the maybe baby one more time is not the name of the album. No, you're right. Oh, okay. Where she's like Oops, kneeling. I, and, yeah. yeah okay. Oops, I did it again. Is with the red cat suit. Oh yeah, yeah. And the and yep. um yeah. Yes. I think it was her second. Got it. Yeah. And then stronger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, oh. R.I.P. Fan mail. Yeah, I mean, you just evolved into something a little bit, I mean, potentially more intimate. Like, like sent me getting a direct message in my Instagram is different. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I want to hear more. Of, I want to know. Yeah, the salient space between us and celebrities. <laughs> and Sean, if you're on Instagram. <laughs> Hit us up. Oh. <laughs> uh. Um, I think we have a Millennials in the News piece queued up. We might actually have two. Great. So let's start with yours. Okay. Grace. Um, I I got it for this. Well, we didn't even do an intro. Millennials in the News. Oh. (laughs) I don't know. Millennials in the News. Um, jeez. Let's talk about it. <laughs> you said G's. Oh, no. I said cheese. Uh, we got some listener mail. Speaking of sliding into our DMs, Audrey from New Orleans sent us what she describes as hard-hitting journalism from Bloomberg News. 
Thanks, Thanks Audrey. Audrey. <laughs> so I actually found this to at first be uh, just like a simple one of those articles about like, oh, another thing that millennials killed. But it turned out that this is a really fascinating murder on our part. <laughs> um, so the like a murder on the Cheese Express. Yeah. <laughs> choo choo. <laughs> Um, so it just talked about how, um, American cheese is dying as a product. And so it talked, I mean, the, the interesting thing about it to me was that the byline of the article was about how millennials exclusively are, are, our palates, uh, are the reason for this dying industry. But if you looked at the actual article, there's nothing in it that's unique to millennials, so I don't really know how that became the the story. Um, so the interesting thing about cheese is it's just cheese is getting bougie. Like that's what the article was kind of about. That the number of cheese factories has increased forty percent, mostly due to like small cheese makers mm. and um, these big brands like Panera and. Um, uh, Wendy's, they're switching to more fancy cheeses like Asiago and like four cheese with like smoked Gouda and cheddar or whatever. <laughs> um, and they're seeing better sales because of switching to um, this like fancier cheese, even if it's just in name. Mm. And if you look back at the history, and honestly, you, Emma, you can cut this out if it's not interesting to anyone else but me. But American cheese was, uh, as the article describes, is born at a time when utility reigned. So it was invented in 1916 for World War One soldiers because it had all this um, like preservative in it, so mm. it would stay stay edible. And then when the when the soldiers came back from the war, they kept eating it. And then. Um, you know, they in the fifties they figured out how to slice it really evenly, and then in the nineteen sixty five they started like craft started individually wrapping the cheese, and there's this whole like impressed population around how it can be so uniform and it can also like stay good even if you're taking it out on a picnic or like eating it in a desert was one of the <laughs> examples in the article. Like it has this long shelf life, it keeps its texture, tastes the same. Any like anywhere you buy it, it tastes the same. So this universality of the cheese mm-hmm. and consistency and utilitarian nature of it mm-hmm. allowed it to really blossom as a product. Um, and that's what the article is about. So like obviously the like craft cheese is, is not just not sustaining, but it's starting to decline mm. as a product. And the article is making this causal claim about millennials being at the at the root of it Mm -hmm. but it just seems like the products that are selling right now it's like we're moving away from needing this like universal or or utilitarian cheese product and Mm -hmm. now we you know are moving away from ultra processed food ultra um preservative rich food towards like bougie cheese yeah i don't see why millennials are even a part of the story aside from like they're part of the customer base i guess right yeah, that's a re- it's a really interesting question. First of all, thank you for the history of American cheese. <laughs> I I'm I well, I'm, thanks Audrey for finding this Bloomberg Bloomberg news article. Yeah, I am really invested in learning more about this. Mm-hmm. I don't have much to say about millennials versus not millennials. The first thing that it made me think about was how like 
there's a lot of conversation about how millennials actually want things that are a little bit more predictable, like how we're responsible for, like, you know, chains that, like... Right, you can go to a Starbucks in, like, Dubai, and it'll taste the same. Right. But, like, I guess what we want within that predictability is also something that's, like, a little bit different than what we were raised on. Mm. It's also, I think, like... I don't know. There's, like, a mix of, like, nostalgia versus, like, growth. Like, people's tastes evolve and change. And I think, you know, as young, as people growing into adulthood, there's, like, do I want the cheese that I've been eating on my hamburgers at Mm. every family barbecue for the last 30 years? Or (laughs) do I want to, like, try something new? Sure. I don't know. Yeah. It's also, like, I would be curious about... Um, kind of like where the origin of this is geographically mm. and if that has anything to do with it yeah and if we're just like there's literally a nations in Berkeley that like advertises having like wild salmon mm-hmm. but like I'm not really gonna be convinced that nations across the rest of the country are necessarily advertising that same thing mm-hmm. yeah because I think that like different people in different parts of the country have different tastes yeah yeah. Did you have, did you grow up eating, like, craft singles? No. No. Gotcha. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, that was rude. Uh, no, I didn't. I was not allowed to. Oh, gotcha. Actually, I'll never forget the first time I ate Velveeta cheese. Yes. And my parents were there, and they were like, it's good, huh? And I was like, if you know how good it is, why won't you let me eat it? <laughs> oh, man. I'm so sorry. I know. Added to the list of things I was deprived from. Yeah, tell me more. Where did you? Oh, yeah. 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 In fact, it, it always cracked me up. Um, we would have just craft singles in the fridge. Like you, you know, it's like a, if you make a grilled cheese, that's what yeah. you've used. Um, or put on a hot dog or whatever. But also, yeah. my dog really loved it. Aww. So my parents used to get that for her, um, which I'm sure was not healthy for the dog, but she loved cheese. Um, but I used to go, my friend Anna, her mom used to go to the deli, like, you know, you get deli meats and deli cheeses, and would get sliced American cheese. I just always oh. remember being like, I couldn't even conceive of cheese, <laughs> like, American cheese that wasn't wrapped in, like, a plastic sheet. Yeah. But they had, yeah, like, fresh, sliced American. Oh. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> It's kind of like the happy medium. Yeah, exactly. You're getting it from the deli, but you're making it look like craft singles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I won't be surprised if we outgrow craft singles. Yeah. No, I agree. They're not... I mean, you just describing the history of them and how they were, like, popularized because of their ultra-preservativeness... Yeah. ...makes me think that maybe it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe they're using the same cheese, to your point, and just, like, naming it something different. Well, I think that's definitely true. Like, I think that the cheese that we're using, that we're, like, even if we name it Asiago, it right. still probably has a bunch of preservatives to help it melt right, right. and stuff like that. It's like the mayo versus aioli exactly. phenomenon exactly. all over again. We yeah. just want new branding. Yeah, it's true. But I think you're right. I think the, like, the weight of feeling like, oh, I've outgrown that. Like, that's what I mm. eat as a kid, and now I'm an adult. is mm-hmm. maybe an influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have one millennials in the news piece as well. Yes. 
Millennials are apparently killing off primary care physicians. Not literally. <laughs> but we're not going to them. And I want to bring up this article real quick. Is my phone making the buzzing? No. Okay. I want to bring up this article real quick because the article itself explains why this is happening, which is essentially that it takes a really long time to get an appointment with a primary care physician. Mm. Like, days. Mm-hmm. And there's literally... Like, a quote in here where the person says, Younger patients are unwilling to wait a few days to see a doctor for an acute problem. (laughs) A situation that used to be routine. Mm -hmm. Like, then this person goes on to say, Now people say that's crazy. Why would that wait? Why would I wait so long? And I'm like, I don't know. Does not, is that not like, is that not something that maybe speaks more to the dysfunctionality of our healthcare system than the preferences of millennials? Mm, mm-hmm. Like, of course you don't want to wait a few days to see a doctor about an acute problem. Right, right. Like, and then um, it goes on to say, t- talk also about how, um, to your point about your pharmacy texting mm-hmm. you, about how a lot of doctors who have an increase in the number of millennial patients are starting to adapt to more, like, digital interfaces Mm -hmm. as a means of communication. And this person says, we do far more messaging and interaction through electronic interface. I think that millennials expect that kind of connectivity, and they also say that their practice has added same-day appointments. Mm -hmm. So, again, I'm sort of like, I think this is a really interesting concept that that millennials are pushing – are pushing the healthcare institutions to shift. Mm -hmm. And again, I think, like, it goes back to that conversation we had about redesigning workspaces to fit millennials' needs and about how I do think there's a real argument there that a lot of the designs that millennials are pushing for are actually designs that are best for everyone. Like, the ability to actually call your doctor and say, I have an issue, I would Mm -hmm. like to come in today. Yeah, and also leveraging technology to accomplish that. Yeah, like, okay, maybe it's being spearheaded by millennials because we have that, like, technological literacy. An expectation. An expectation. Yes, true. Um, but, I do, you know, to your point, it does make sense to have that kind of optionality. Right. Also, because I feel like there's not a lot of preventative action. Like, I don't know a ton of millennials who are going to the doctor just to, like, get an annual check. Like, oh. is that what they're busy with? Oh, right? like what what are what are primary care doctors spending most of their time with their patients on? Is it on like is it not on urgent health acute health problems? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I actually don't know. We should talk to a doctor. Yeah. But it it but it's interesting you bring that up because I got a call the other day from Kaiser and it was one of those where like I was kind of bored at work so I was like I'll just pick up this call and mm-hmm. like listen to them explain why I want a cruise and then hang up um but it was actually Kaiser being like you're due for your annual pap smear oh. and I was like great let me make an appointment and they yeah. were like we also now have appointments on Saturdays and I was like fuck yes yeah. I'll come in next available Saturday November 10th I got it in it was awesome. Yeah. And Kaiser is actually the one behind this original study. Mm-hmm. And so if they're going to start doing things like that, like mm-hmm. literally call me right. and make it as easy as me taking five minutes right. to make an appointment for a Saturday online, right. then like, I'm all for it. Yeah. And we know that the system is broken. Mm-hmm. 
people are going to urgent care because they literally just can't get an appointment with their primary care physician. Right. And millennials, another big point that I think is important to mention is, like, primary care physicians are very residence-based, and we know also that, like, with changing of jobs, you change your providers. Yep. Every time you change your provider, you have to change your... Well, that's what I was thinking, too, is I haven't had a primary care doctor since I was, like, in high school. Yeah. And why is that? Because I have changed health insurance so many times mm-hmm. or moved locations. So it's like, you know, if I move from Minnesota to here, I'm not, I got to figure out who my doctor is. And then you don't really think about it until you're sick. Right. And then there's not a person that you can reliably call. And so you just go to urgent care. Like I, yeah. like I think it, and then, you know, because I've turned 26 in the last few years, like I also went from like going on my employer's health care, then quitting my job, being on COBRA, then starting grad school and being on grad school health insurance, and then starting a job. So, like, in, in a one-year period, I had four different health care insurance providers. That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, well, how could, when in that time am I supposed to, like, find a doctor and, right. like, vet them and see if I like them and try other people, like, Especially because, like, for, like, seemingly healthy millennials, people Mm -hmm. who are still young enough that, like, you don't need to go to the doctor, really, like, who, is it really worth the time of their time and our time for me to show up in the middle of a day, just be like, hey, what's up, I'm Emma, like... You know, I have eczema, allergic to dust mites, and, like, <laughs> that's all there is, you know? Like, call it a day, and for them to, like, have me breathe into a stethoscope, and then, you know, tell me my weight, and um, that's it. Yeah. And and so, like, that system doesn't seem useful for me or them either. Right. Like, obviously, I'd like a relationship with a doctor so that if something does go wrong, I have someone I can depend on, but the likelihood of something getting so severe that I need... A primary health doctor as opposed to just someone who I can call up right. to give me antibiotics for strep throat right. is like right knock on wood hopefully slimmer than other people we were pushing things in the right direction yeah yeah you know like totally. the system needs to adapt to people moving yes changing jobs yes and needs to adapt to people who need to go in on the day when they have acute pain and they don't know what it is yeah Um, I think it might be time for TVT. I think so. Hey, I'm so excited. You know mine, but I don't know yours, so the power imbalance is quite great. I know, and now I'm trying to remember what I had Oh my gosh, this is what happens when you don't write it down. So, you you go first. Okay. Remember inflatable furniture. Specifically, the inflatable chairs of the 90s. Yes. Late 90s. So good. Usually sold at places like Limited 2. Yes. Um, well, apparently you can still buy one on Forever 21, but they're, like, pretty hard to come by. I tried doing a quick mm. Google search, and not many. They're not easy to find. You know why? Because after one use, <laughs> they all popped. <laughs> they were so good. Did you have any? Okay. One of the best Christmases of my life was 90... Eight or 99, mm-hmm. 98 into 99, and I got an inflatable chair, and it was blue, and I was so obsessed with it, mm-hmm. and then, like, later found out that my dad was up till, like, three in the morning trying to blow it up, oh. like, with his mouth. Like, I don't know yeah. why I didn't use a bike pump. I don't know. Oh. There was some sort of issue with, like, not having the right pump or something. Sure. 
But it was, it made for one of the best Christmas mornings. Yeah, And wow. I had it for, um, I think a while. Yeah. I don't think, you know, the problem wasn't that it popped. The problem was that it wasn't that comfortable. Yeah, So oh, I didn't totally. really like sitting in it. Yeah. But it was cute as hell. Fuck yeah. Did it have like an ottoman too? Some no, of them, I didn't get the ottoman. Like an ottoman. I know, that was like, that was excessive. <laughs> that would have made it comfy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I got... I got the, um, what is it, the EX version? No, the DX version. The Honda Civics come in DX, LX, and EX, and I got the DX version, which is, like, the one without the air conditioner and, like, <laughs> autom- like nice. doesn't have automatic doors and roll-down windows. That was the one that I had. But it was still great, and I felt, I felt like, part of my generation yeah. with that. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Do you remember yours? Um, Emma Shane. Grace Fowler. Do you remember, um, Squirts? (laughs) (laughs) Say it again. (laughs) The Squirt, um, made a really, really, really big splash when we were younger. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I had a corduroy Squirt. Oh my god, sexy! Yeah. Um, speaking of sexy, I loved it because it was suitable enough for me to wear to church, but it was still comfortable. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That was a church test. Yep. That was an important factor for me. It was like, I can either wear a skirt or a dress pants. Yeah. And I can either, if I wear a skirt, I can either wear tights or knee high socks. So many options. So few options for expressing myself. (laughs) But the squirt really, I mean, for someone like me who struggled to express femininity, mm. like, like I think it just sort of was never quite comfortable. I, I rebelled against the color pink, which now is like one of my favorite colors. It just felt to me like I couldn't really fully express. I wasn't comfortable in really girly things. Mm-hmm. And the squirt was the perfect marriage. Oh, by the way, a squirt is shorts. And a skirt mashed together. So it's basically shorts with like a flap. You take a skirt and you put it in the blender. (laughs) You take shorts and you put them in a blender. Yeah, go keep going. Did the skirt go all the way around? No, no, usually just the front. It was like like a a front flap. Yep. So from behind, it it was like party from behind. Church and church going in behind. Yeah. I remember them being, like, fun because they were kind of, like, tomboy Yeah. But here's the thing. I did not like the look of not having back pockets. And I uh, felt that more often than not, they didn't have back pockets. Yeah. They also, like, they definitely made your butt look weird. Right. <laughs> For sure. Your body was like, why is there, why is this going up my butt? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was an interesting thing to throw in the mix when you're 10, 11, 12 and trying to figure out mm-hmm. where you stand in terms of your femininity yeah. and you're playing on to playing kickball. You know. Some of us weren't sporty either. We were just <laughs> <in the tournament. laughs> That's okay. <laughs> no, but I hear you. Like, because yeah. it did allow you to be less conscious of like, what kind of activity you could participate in. Yeah, for sure. And also just, like, corduroy. What a fabric. Yeah. 
I, w- I do want to oh. bring it back. Yeah. Like, I think it was like a magenta corduroy skirt. I'd love a corduroy skirt right now that's like down to my knees, pencil skirt, buttons down the front. Mm, love it. Yeah. So. So, um. Wh- also where are you now, to, Facebook ads? Also send to the address. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> mailing address. Um. That was a good one. I'm into Thanks. it. I also think it goes a little hand in hand with the inflatable chair because I feel like similar era, yes. similar, um, similar aesthetic, yeah, and like and a catalog for um, Delia's. Delia's exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah, a Delia's catalog. We literally just described seventy five percent of it. Yeah, with a middle part for me. Oh, cute. Yeah, I didn't know what a part was. I think I actually did okay. We don't need to go down this. <laughs> we don't need to start talking about parts, hair parts. Got it. Thanks, thanks for, Grace. Thanks, Emma. It was so good. Yeah. And hey, team, thanks for sticking with us. Definitely. Apologies again for any sort of background noise. You can write. I'm not sorry. You might. <laughs> you can write your grievances. <laughs> Not, yeah, not going to share the address, but slide into my DMs with your grievances and I'll right, get right back at you. <laughs> or come over for a fresh cup of coffee in the morning, because sometimes it does make sharp. up for it. <laughs> Seven on the weekdays. <laughs> all right. All right. See you in a fortnight. See you all in a fortnight. See you in a fortnight, Grace. See you in a fortnight. Bye.